Hello and welcome to another episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name is Aaron and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. Hello there. Sometimes we even talk about TV series like last week when we talked about the ever-popular TV show Friends. Yes. Mm. It was a good episode, James, where we talked about the highlights of favourite scenes across the series, our favourite cameos, storylines and character arcs and careers of the stars. Yeah. This week? Nothing like that. No, not at all, no. It's time to go to the abyss, mate. I don't know what you've got prepared and you don't know what I've got prepared. We've done this before. It was our grindhouse idea, the idea that people used to go to cinemas to watch two films of different calibre or genre, a mismatch of maybe horror and action or romance and comedy. And uh, James and I have done this once before where I have no idea of the topic you're going to talk about and you have no idea what I've brought to the table and it just makes a nice smorgasbord episode. Mm. Last time I uh, I discussed the works of uh, Danny Elfman. Yeah, you did. It was great to re-engage with... Possibly the second greatest music composer of all time. And recently I watched The Flash, which relies heavily on his Batman theme, which is the best Batman theme of all time. Mm, one uh, of Han- the best uh, film scene uh, uh, scores of all time. Exactly. And then Hans Zimmer's in the news this week because he, I believe it was Hans Zimmer, uh, proposed to his girlfriend on the middle of a scene, in the middle of a concert that he was doing. Oh, wow. I believe so. I could have gone completely wrong. Anyway... Movie composers, that's what I, last time I did locations, we were talking about property values and where you'd like to live. There you go. Yeah, and I remember New York was not one of the No, top, no, why would you? No. Why would you? I believe it was Hogwarts, mate. Fucking A, I want to be a wizard. <laughs> Let's of be course, honest. Of course you do. Um, so this week we're going to do that. We're going to talk about two things. So James doesn't know what I'm talking about, uh, which is no, 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 no real shock there. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I don't know what James has planned. If this is your first time, welcome. We don't normally do this. Normally we pick a film and talk about it, or an actor, actress, director. Maybe sometimes we just take a film and we splurge all over it, going through with it, scene by scene, deep dive into a movie or a genre. Get it fucking deep in it, mate. Oh, so deep. Yeah, not not this week. Not this week. Not, not this week. So I, I'm 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 gonna just guess. Yeah, I'm gonna guess. Give me a clue though. Is yours on an actor or a director or a filmography of a person? No. Is it on a genre? No. Is it on something very niche that I would never be able to guess? No. Oh, okay. Is it on vehicles? No. <laughs> no. I was we talking, do, about, vehicles, I was talking we? about that today, yeah. We've done vehicles in films. Um, the well I, if dove, does run dry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, um, do you want to know, mate? Do you want to know? Go on, do, do you want to start off? Shall we, shall we start off with my... No, no, no. No, because no. you teased last week that you've seen Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Let's start there. Do you want to start? Right, so uh, it's an animated film of Sony. The troubled history of Superman being owned and cross property between Marvel and and Sony. But let's be you honest. Spider-Man, I think you Sp- just said yeah, Superman. Sorry. Uh, so Spider-Man, the trouble history of who does it belong to? So you won't ever see a Spider-Man film on Disney+, Plus, but you will see Spider-Man in the developed MCU. Spider-Man in Sony's hands, let's be honest, been pretty well, pretty consistent. Tom Holland's done a fantastic job over his three films, giving us... The pinnacle probably in crossover films when he brought back two versions of Peter Parker, played by Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. And let's be honest, you and I were in different cinemas, but the cinema went wild. The people of Spider-Man, Sony, have done a pretty good job with Spider-Man and Mm. they've been fairly consistent. There is one department of Sony, though, that has blown everyone pretty much away. When Sony Animation got their hands on the Miles Morales story of him becoming Spider-Man, it blew us away in one of the best films I've ever seen. Yeah. I would put that up as one of the best animated films, but also probably beats The Dark Knight to my favourite comic book film. Uh, the story of uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 
was a film I remember sitting in the cinema on my own I was blown away for two hours of charming great action great writing great storytelling this character that I thought we should be bored to death by now Spider-Man's constantly out every two years we get another Spider-Man outing mm. surely we should be bored of the Spider-Man stories however I was not I came back told you told uh, other co-hosts at the time it's the best movie we've got to go see it missed out on being best film of the year because I you, you it- haven't seen it no, I think it did. I think it we, did. We we reconned we, we it crowned, afterwards. We crowned it as our favourite movie of the year with Mandy, I believe, didn't it? Was that that year? Yes, it was that year. But I, I was I was making the at the time because we'd all seen Mandy. We went with Mandy, but then a few a few weeks later, we we changed it. Now, what we've got is the I mean, ju- ju- just on that as well with the Spider-Man character you, you set up there about. We should be bored of that character. I just mean because think, we've seen his origin story it, so many times. It, yeah, and it's it's a character as well that we we don't really we talked about Batman last week in the Flash and Michael Keaton reprising the role and the yeah. idea that actually Batman is a character you can do later in life. You can do forty years on. There are certain superheroes that I think you can do that with, but I don't think you can really get. Spider-Man out of being at school. Mm. It's an integral part, isn't it? Balancing being a gifted academic at school, university, and juggling that and his relationships and his family and then fighting crime. It's Tony Maguire and Andrew Garfield were great in uh in in the latest uh Spider-Man movie. You can't really have a Tobey Maguire movie. You can't it's yeah. weird. You can't really justify why he's still doing it in his forties yeah, exactly. and you know, approaching 50. Yeah. No, that doesn't make sense. So, let's be honest, this film's, of all the films we've seen lately, we didn't really have high expectations of The Flash, so if you've seen it and enjoyed it, you weren't going in there with high expectations, let's be honest, but this one's pedigree. We've loved Tom Holland, we've also loved this animation. So, you you can, there's nowhere to go but down with Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. So, we open again, we have a great, gorgeous opening recapping the events of the first film. It's fantastic, phenomenal. Draws you in. Nostalgia, mate. Makes you remember the good times when you were watching this. It does that glitchy thing as well where you see different animation styles. We open, but this time we're away from Mars Morales. We find Gwen Stacy, voiced by uh, Hayley uh, Steinfeld, who did a phenomenal job and continues to do a phenomenal uh, job. She is, in her world, She's. they're all spelled off. They've all gone to their different universes now and they're locked off. There's nothing they can do. She's got some trouble, mate. She's been hunted by her own father because her father is obviously a police captain. And when certain things go awry, she's visited by the super... Uh, the, I'm going to do that, and I apologise. The Spider-Man of the future that was teased at at the beginning of the last film, Oscar Isaac playing Miguel O'Hara, mm-hmm. the future uh, Spider-Man. Turns out that those glitches were just the beginning. There's a glitch that's compromising the network or the Spider-Verse. It's deleting realms, deleting alternative realities. Don't know what to do. Uh, Miguel has taken upon himself to create a super team of Spider-Men across the web, different universes, to band together and save realities to protect the canon. That's what it is. It's to protect the canon, which must happen. And that's their job. Whilst on a mission, so now she's got the ability now to jump dimensions and and stop this. We'll pause that for a minute. What's Miles Morales up to? Well, he's quite succinctly slipped into his new role as the only Spider-Man, because obviously after that, he is the only Spider-Man. And what's your two? Hilarious opening scene, mate, where we're introduced to the spot, voiced by Jason Steisman. Schwartzman. Schwartzman. He's not doing a Wes Anderson movie. He's not doing a Wes Anderson movie, but I'll tell you what he's doing. He's stealing the fucking show as the spot. A comically bad villain who talks mm. about him being Spider-Man's nemesis, but in the fight scene, he's got a power he can't comprehend. He, that's it, the one where you punch him and his, your fist can come out and hit you Yeah, back. but it can go anywhere. He can't control his spots. Yeah. His spots go to different realities. In summer, 
what this allows to happen is outrageous things to happen which suit the narrative and the gorgeous beauty drawings or computer generated style. The art style is beautifully, it brings it to life. Like they're underwater, they're flying out, they're having a fight and ATM machines landing out everywhere. It's hilarious, it's funny, it's great. Gwen Stacy shows up, she wants to reconnect with her old friend. Certain things happen, I just bit my tongue and I apologize. Certain things happen, you find out that. Maybe certain things weren't supposed to happen. Maybe the threat is a lot bigger than you think. The spot goes from laughable comedy villain to one of the biggest threats you're going to see in the cinema. They do a really good job of building him up. The realisation of what his power actually is. Like a comprehensive um, essay thesis that's gone from joke and, and gone stronger. A good mirror to Miles Morales himself, you know, who, who had the spider powers but wasn't the hero. We get the villain, who isn't really a villain, turning into a super villain, becoming the nemesis. He was laughed at and taken as a joke, and he uses that as, as whilst it's incredibly funny, he uses it as personal growth to explore what it means and what the powers actually are. Fantastic writing, great new characters. So, unfortunately, the um, noir spider and spider ham are gone. They are removed from this film, um, but we get new ones. We get like an Indian-inspired uh, Spider-Man that probably steals the show, um, a fantastic punk rock. But we get something else. Spot realizes that he Daniel Kaluuya, that is Daniel Kaluuya. He can actually realize that Spot can actually cross dimensions, and you get what Flash had. We get Spot jump in to the Venom universe and speak to. There's a, a shop owner, isn't it? He speaks to the shop owner. You get to see Danny Glover as a live action person locked up in a cell later, splitting the different universes. You get a lot, mate. You have got everything's working so far, and then spoilers. I can't talk about spoilers. I want you to go watch this film. I don't want to talk too much. Everyone who's listening should go to this because this is the best film I've seen this year. Across the Spider-Verse continues the legacy of greatness that Sony Animation is putting their love and their time and their effort into this Spider-Man universe. Miles Morales is phenomenal. I want to be him. He's so cool, but weird. The dynamic with his family takes a really weird turn. You're shocked. The revelations are actually good. You, mm. you didn't expect them. The good guys aren't always good. The villains aren't always villains. Different um, villains as well are coming through different areas. So there's a, a vulture, but from a, rena a renaissance period. Mm. Looks fantastic because it's set in this 3D world, but it's drawn like a renaissance uh, 2D cartoon. It's beautiful. I thought it was going to be quite jarring, the different art styles. Fantastic. Really plays out. Sorry, excuse me. Miles Morales is spot on. The character itself, the writers have done such a good job of capturing what it means to be the outsider. Uh, Oscar Isaac, who I'm not actually that huge fan, he seems to piss on a lot of my favourite characters when he does, and it's not his fault. It's not his fault. It's I mean, not his I fault. I think he wanted Apocalypse. I know you're talking about Apocalypse. <laughs> I'm talking about I Apocalypse. I think he wanted Apocalypse to be better. Yeah, yeah, no, you can't see that. But wow, what a great turn. The the jokes land, they're brilliant, they are better. It's a great continuation. You could watch um, the first film and watch go straight into the second one and you wouldn't miss a beat it would the, still be the, funny it would still the, be fantastic the first one though here, just remembering that first movie watching that and thinking the Chris Pine Spider-Man and the beginning yes. and the Liv Schreiber kind of um, like Kingpin scenes, yeah and you're like what is this wow and then Mahershala Ali is Prowler and Nicolas Cage being in it is noir and all the things about that first movie, they made it brilliant. The Doc Ock reveal, which I didn't see. I'm sat there going, of course it's Doc Ock. You exactly. know, the reveal scene. And then, um, and obviously, Marshall Lee's passing in it. And he's like, of course it's the uncle. The, you know, it's like, oh, it was so clever, that first movie. So this film plays on a lot like Flash. Certain events must happen. The grounding point. These, these things must happen. And characters disagree with them. 
and it's fantastic a place. Someone just looking for the greater good, another person who's trying to do what's right for them. It's a great story. Who is right? It's one of those stories where maybe the villain is right. Maybe the hero is selfish. Mm. Maybe this needs to happen. It is fantastically well played and beautifully worked. I, I could I could sit here for hours talking about what a gorgeous film it is. What a pleasure to watch. The visuals. Are, do you know what the problem is, mate? The film's so funny that you're laughing at a joke. You've missed two ones. You've missed two more. It's it's a beautiful film. Ends, Batman Lego did that to me. Bat this, the, the Batman the Lego the, movie. The writers for this did the Lego movies. Yeah. I don't know if they did Batman Lego, but they definitely did was, the Lego that movies. That was where I was too busy laughing. I was missing the next joke. And, that's, I, and it was perfect. Yeah. And that's what this is. Everything's fantastic. You know, the little jokes that you had. I, I don't want to do this, but I still prefer the first one because it builds the universe well. But, but the beauty of this film is you don't have to think like that. It's a continuation of a much longer story, yeah. which is beautiful. And I'm going to tell you, this isn't a spoiler. There is a third one coming. It's... One, it's going to generate a lot of money. Critics love it. Audiences love it. But it also sets up for there must be a third film. You're going to be in the cinema, mate, and I'm going to tell you, you're going to be shocked. Mm. You will have no idea where this film is going. And the spot is genuinely, that the first 20 minutes was fantastic. And then where he went, I was like, that's great writing. Because as an audience member, I did not see that coming. It was a... It was it's a well-written film. I love it when you, when you, when, when, a, when they've, comment about a movie when the positive is it's a well-written film it is so good. ultimately that is that's, that's why we have writer strikes exactly. at the moment you know at the moment actually the writer strikes at the moment are a lot over the residuals isn't it the streaming services whereas a tv it's show the yeah the tv show will make residuals and advertisements in the advert and it breaks with streaming services the writers don't get those residuals because they're on so it, it, you know but but ultimately the highest compliment i think to a film i can always you know, appreciate that special effects might not be on the money because bigger budgets, yeah, bigger exactly. films, Disney have the power, they have the Lucasfilm, they have the whatever it is. Independent film maybe doesn't. You know, so I could always go with, oh, well, you know, visual effects I could take on the nose or whatever it is, but writing is writing. You know, that, that to me is the, the key, the heart of any story. You're ready for your heart to explode even more. The writers for the film also produced Brigsby Bear. Oh, well, there you go. Um, I, the, the biggest compliment I can give it is it was a pleasure to watch that film. Mm. I wanted to thank them for allowing me to see it, and I'd fucking paid to see it. So how yeah. how how weird is that? I was a privileged one. Do you know what? It's nearly exactly the same length as Flash, and I didn't. Feel, you don't feel it. You feel like your minutes passed. You, I want more. I was sat there. Mm. I, if it came in drug form, mate, I would have injected myself yeah. with it. It was that good. Um, Jay Johnson as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I really liked him as the like out of shape. <laughs> you know, not cut for it anymore, kind of Spider-Man in the first one. So do you know what really does work in his favour is they do move away from Peter Parker. Whilst there's a lot of jokes about Peter Parker being a consistent, the main character is is split now. It is between a ghost spider, Gwen Stacy, and uh, Mars Morales. And the other Spider-Man that you spend more time with is Miguel O'Hara. So weirdly, whilst we know Peter Parker is Spider-Man, he is the least present Spider-Man, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it sets up things that you definitely want to see. There's shocks, there's great writing, the relationship with the characters. It's weird that I saw this a few days after I saw uh, The Flash. I loved The Flash. Sorry, I didn't love The Flash. I liked The Flash. I thought it was good. But it's so weird with a similar storyline. I felt more... I felt the, the 3D characters, animate characters, were more believable than the human characters that I'd seen in the film. Yeah. Let's be honest, if The Flash didn't have if the Flash didn't have um, the actress who played Superwoman because she did a pretty good job and definitely Michael Keaton I wouldn't give a shit about that film however if you moved Miles Morales or Gwen there would still be something about this film to love yeah. so and, and we last week we talked about Batman being a cool character and we you know we, we praised you know Rob Patterson right away for it's Ben Affleck for their different versions and do you know what we didn't talk about Will Arnett as, as Lego Batman uh, yeah, what a yeah, great performance yeah, was that a great was performance. 
Uh, mate, you love animation. You're going to love animation even more. I think your wife will love it. I think you'll love it. I know that I loved it. And I was always going to love it. And it's fantastic. And thank you. Sony Animation for doing it again. Thank you. I, I watched a 10-part uh, drama this week. What did you watch? Uh, on uh, Star, but on Disney+, Plus, but the Star part of it. A, uh, a 10-parter starring Steve Carell and Donald Gleeson. How have I not heard about this? The Patient. I've not heard about this Came out in 2022. Um, it's a... It's, Created by and written by Joel Field, stars obviously Steve Carell as the same Donald Gleason. Um, Steve Carell plays a psychiatrist who's uh, widowed um, and uh, rebuilding his life or moving on with his life. He plays Alan Strauss. Uh, I that's familiar. Beginning of the film, you see a montage of him helping patients, very calm. You know, sees patients from his home. You know, seems to be good at what he does. Lives in a big house. Um, he has one. Um, patient that keeps coming back to see him Donald Gleason's character uh, in it who you know he's, he won't take his sunglasses off he wears a baseball hat he's he's you know there's something about him that's a bit unsettling it's not a vampire from the blade movies is he <laughs> no no uh, I mean, and Donald Gleason we have to accept is one of the best actors in the world yeah. he is so chameleon like how he do, again we talk about Paul Rudd not aging Donald Gleason doesn't age much as well that's because I do think he feasts on performances but you, what, you, see, you see him in like Star Wars and then Peter Rabbit do you know what I mean that guy's range yeah, um, yeah I love I love Donald Gleason and so he the, is consistent as well isn't he he doesn't give you shit no he's brilliant <laughs> even he's when brilliant. he's in uh, even when he's getting like beaten up by Ma Ma in uh, fucking Dread he's still pretty good he is the best thing um so uh, it turns out Donald Gleason is a serial killer. Oh, of course he is. And then there. he captures uh, or, or kidnaps uh, Steve Carell's character, uh, Alan Strauss, takes him back to his house and chains him up in the basement. Now, before, you do. <laughs> before we get into Saw territory, it's not that. Imagine more just a huge basement with a bed. Um, a holding you know, cell type it, thing. It's not good. He's not going to quit him not, up. He's yeah, gonna... it's not It's not a terror. It's not It's not a, like a, yeah, uh, 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 you know, Sansa Lamb's like cell in a basement. It's just, it's just a really well. bad B and B. It's yeah, <laughs> and um, and Donald Gleeson's character is like, I'm going to kill again. I need you to stop me doing. Oh, it. that's cool. And so he's not, he's not captured him as a uh, as a next victim. He's captured him as I Help need me. you full time to start helping me. So ten episodes. Better fucking costs. <laughs> is uh, is is over Steve Cross character trying to work around his urge. To, to kill um, and at the same time we learn more about Steve Carell's character about the loss of his wife his own fractured relationship with his family um, you know the film it's called The Patient I'll spoil it The Patient is not Donald Gleeson The <gasps> Patient is Steve Carell it's oh an inward God. reflection it, him being put in the situation makes him understand more about his actions and the way he's uh, spoken to people or treated his family um, so we get just as much flashback and backstory about Carell's character as we do Don Gleeson's character. I like character. that. That's and cool. over the 10 episodes, which are all 22 minutes long, they're not long episodes. Like, good. <laughs> you know, it's it's to the point. It's very good. It's very well written. It's very well acted. You know, I think uh, Don Gleeson brings a lot to this performance in what is essentially them two sat across from each other in a basement you know one's chained down and one comes and goes as he pleases but you know it's his little flitches it flinches it's his nuances it's his his you know, the way that he sits and the way he moves and Steve Crow will be talking and he'll just move something to square it off you know he does all these little things that make you think 
you, you, that character's real. He's a yeah. real serial killer. He's a real threat. Steve Carell is brilliant in a dramatic performance. I, as I well. actually like Steve Carell's dramatic performance. Yeah, and uh, and there are elements of comedy to it, dark comedy. There's a, there are a couple of scenes where it goes out its way to try and make a joke, and it and it was well received, lands pretty well. The story goes places. It has a almost like a, the longer he's there, that you know the, there are things like Stockholm syndrome starts to kick in. Um, there is uh, elements of almost like outer body experiences Steve Carell starts to have, which also is rooted in um, Jewish history and culture as well. So it's it's really hard to explain, but there are there are there are cutaway scenes where, like Steve Carell, for example, is in Auschwitz and and talking to people in a concentration camp, and then it comes back to the room. And there's this whole sequence where he's talking to his psychiatrist in his head yeah but it plays out as a scene and so it does break out of the basement and there are a couple of characters that come and go to kind of keep the storyline going but i was really enjoy- i enjoyed watching it i binged a couple but then i thought no i want to savor it so i waited till the next night watched a couple more and then by the time the last one was out i was like i gotta see how this ends you watch it. and it doesn't end how i thought it was gonna end <clears throat> it does it certainly doesn't end the way i was gonna end and it's got a bit of a it's got a bit of a ending that sits on funny. And I was a bit like, oh, actually, I didn't think that I didn't think that was gonna happen. And it actually made me feel a bit not queasy, but the camera it does something very well. It shows you without giving a spoiler away, it the the, the TV show do, had does a few tricks throughout it. Like, you know, like in a Freddy Krueger film when so when everything's normal, but then something happens yeah. where you think, hold on, I'm watching a fucking dream here. Yeah. They would just be like someone something in the says something yeah. or something's red and green and you're like, hold on, we're in a dream sequence, but the film hasn't told me I'm in a dream sequence. There's something similar to that that happens towards the end. And when it flips, you're like, oh, shit. Okay. Oh, right. Okay. And then it ends. And you're like, oh, okay. It, it was quite enjoyable. Yeah. Quite enjoyable. And, and, and from it, I thought, do you know what? Two really good performances. I expect it from Donald Gleeson. I do. You do expect it. I think, yeah, I, I'm sorry, but I do expect that from now on. <laughs> bring, your, is, bring your A game yeah. next time. <laughs> I mean, he played hooks really well, to be fair. And, and, and he went out blazing, do you know what I mean, in them films. Um, someone had to try, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. At least someone did something. Good, but he's so good. And then, yeah, Steve Carell. So, which brings me to my segment. Oh, he's got a segment. Steve Carell. <gasps> oh! Now, we're in my uh, attic, not a basement, and it's so fucking dark, I can't see my own notes. <laughs> Let me just get a light up. <laughs> that is how dark it is in here. It's pretty dark, we, yeah. We're lit by candlelight. <laughs> so I wanted to do a segment on Steve Carell because I thought, after watching this, yeah, I, you know, Steve Carell is funny, but has great chops in his acting performance. He's, this one he's 60 now, you know, he's, he's no spring chicken, but he's pulling out some of his best work. So I thought, let's do a little bit of a deep dive into Stephen John Carell, born... August 16th, 1962, uh, an American actor-comedian, best known for his role as Michael Scott yeah. in the American adaptation of The Office. His films, though, include 40-Year-Old Virgin, Despicable Me, Anchorman, Little Miss Sunshine, Date Night, and the latest Wes Anderson movie, Asteroid City. He's also a gifted dramatic actor. We talked about The Patient, but you could also talk about Foxcatcher, Dan in Real Life, Beautiful Boy, uh, as some. I, I, there's a film I know we're going to talk about, so I'm not even going to say it, James, because I know you're going to, I know you're going to whisper Big Short at some point. So we'll get to that when we get to it. Am Born, I that predictable? <laughs> nice. I know you, James. All right. Born in Massachusetts uh, to an Edwin Carroll, who was a um, mechanical engineer, and a Harriet Teresa, who was a psychi- psychiatric nurse. He's the youngest of four brothers. 
Um, and his family history includes a mix of Italian, German, and Polish. Uh, he is, was raised as Roman Catholic. He played lacrosse in high school. He studied history and at university discovered acting when he became a part of a comedy um, <laughs> improv group. Yeah. And one of his first acting roles was actually, and I like this, I, I've seen films with this in, but I've never knew it was actually real. Is like, and we have a lot of American listeners, so I'm, I may get this completely wrong, but I believe there are places where you can go in America where actors will like reenact certain wars, you know, like yeah. you know, civil wars or yeah. whatever it may be, or the Redcoats attack. Which is weird. It, which is weird. <laughs> it? It is like, weird. You can go I'm to like a, a monument area and you can pay to like go yeah. back in time. It, and Steve Crow did that. That was one of his roles. <laughs> like one of his first acting jobs. Um, he was also a radio DJ. Uh, he was a mailman. He did acting on the sides and picked up a few commercials. But by the 90s, he started working in TV. Um, he was in Curly Sue, the last John Hughes movie. He had a cameo bit part in that, credited as Stephen Corral. Um, but then he was on the Dana Carvery show in 96 and then the Daily Show I'll be honest, between 99 and he was in He was in like the golden area where like John Stewart could do no wrong. He'd also birthed... Um, Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert. Yeah, yeah so it, it was those three were were the best in political piss-taking. Mm. They, they took the world by storm. By 2005, he'd signed to NBC's massive hit show, The Office, uh, where, as I said, he played Mike Scott. And by season three of that, he was turning in 175 grand an episode. He was uh, writing episodes and winning awards. He was getting movie offers. The show would break for Steve Carell's career. So, And also, he famously left. But then afterwards, he said, they never talked to me about a contract. He said he would have stayed. He said he would have had to work different dates. So I, He wouldn't have been able, in, he wouldn't have been able to do as much. But he's like, I didn't want to leave. They just never offered me a contract. Well, I think as well, if you, read, if you do read around it, he let slip in an interview that he was thinking of leaving at the end of the season he was in, six or whatever it was. Yeah. When it didn't get a reaction from NBC, he then left. But oh, that okay, says to me, uh, you, you know, let's talk about negotiating salary again. Let's, let's be honest. NBC didn't. Let's be honest, he didn't, and it died on his arse. Well, it, there, it, are, there is some fun in some of the cameos. I think you're having right. oh, that, Idris that, Elba, yeah. you know, you have, the, you know, our favourite voice in, in acting. Um, There's the episode to replace him has, like, Ray Romano, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy, uh, Jim Carrey. It's got an absolute, even Ricky Gervais shows up in it. That's funny. That was funny. It, uh, what's, what's his name, though? Oh, oh sorry. Sean. Oh, uh, James Spader. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So some of them episodes are really good. And, and um, yeah, I, Catherine Tate. You can't win them. <laughs> I, I, thought I quite liked some of her episodes as well. But it does it does die. And there are a lot of the other characters. But then I again, mean, when a series gets to 10 series, it's going to die. Yeah. You, 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 of course, he comes back and he has a great episode when he comes back for Dwight's Wedding. The, 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 literally, the Americans just need to learn one thing. It's like the, the we Brits, because we keep them short and sweet, we don't have time to hate our TV series. Like The Office in this country... Two series was brilliant. Do you remember when it came out for like a th Christmas special for a third season? We pissed mm. on it because you get two. Forty Towers then, had two. That's the rule. But unless the, you're only fools and horses. I think Forty Towers had three. I thought I only had two. I think it was three no, seasons of four episodes. I think I only had two. I may agree to disagree there. I, do you know what? It's, it's your, it's your it portion, free. mate. You're right. The only reason I think it was free is because we had them on video cassette. And, and they one were different colours. One was green and one was blue. And that's what made me think they were free seasons. I, I, I could be wrong. I concede. I, um, I believe you are correct. Uh, but the, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, The Office, I'm rewatching it now. After The Patient, I've started The Office again. I'm already on season two. Uh, Halfway through season I, two. I think The Office, when people go, what's oh, better, the American or British version? They're, they're different. I don't think like the first series works because it's trying to be too like the British one. Yeah. But as soon as Michael Scott, <laughs> the thing is, it can't be believable that he's a bad boss he has to have good elements to him. I think it's brilliant and I think it does so good 
with his secondary characters. Yeah. It's Stanley, mate. Fucking Stanley's Stanley. a right. I love Stanley. Creed. Creed's Creed's, yeah, brilliant. Creed's brilliant as well. That one where he comes in covered in blood. And he's because, like, oh, it's Halloween. <laughs> it's Halloween. That's lucky. That's lucky. <laughs> oh, there's, a, there's, a, there's an episode later where that one goes like what do you do here and then he comes into me he's like what do I do here? why is this woman asking these questions <laughs> you know, oh, said, the only thing that's stopping me from being a homeless man is this job I, was like, oh, I, I can't remember <laughs> it's like the last person who came up to me his name was Creed <laughs> he <laughs> yeah. stole his identity <laughs> there's a really good episode as well where um, someone's uh, defecated in Michael's office. Yes, I don't and understand. They're, and they're, and, they're, and they're, all, they're all like, oh my God, and then they, like everyone wants to leave. And then Creed walks in, he goes, who's cooking soup? <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. I could talk about The Office all day and I'm really thoroughly enjoying rewatching it. And for what it's worth, I know I know nowadays the world is trying to be better, but season uh, episode two, which gets cancelled a lot, is fucking hilarious. It is, it is funny. It's so good. Um, Quick but then, but then, sorry, going to that, the best episode of a TV series called Community, which you should watch, is for night. It's been redacted because uh, the the Asian American, uh, the Asian actor, the big one, uh, plays Chang, this deranged like security guard at one point. But he dressed up as a dark elf, so he's not even. But he's he's it's been portrayed that he was in blackface, but he's actually dressed up because they're playing Dungeons and Dragons, right. and it's one of those things where you think. That's not the point. It's actually a really good story that's anti-bullying. So the message of the episode is more important than the... Th- oh, it's disappointing when censors, I think, go overboard. Yeah. But I think it's important. But then, have you seen... Yeah, sorry. It's, it's, it's Steve just, Carell's episode. It's just, <laughs> it's just that episode, though, where they've all got the post-it notes on the race. She, and and uh, she slaps him so hard as well. Apparently she slapped him in real life that hard as well. It's, it's like, so, he, yeah, he's got like... Um, he's, he's got like Asian on his, on his post-it No, he's note. got Martin Luther King. <laughs> His, no, no, I'm thinking, oh, no I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about Dwight when and then um, I, and then if, Pam's if, like, I don't agree with stereotypes, but some people would say would say you're a bad driver, and he goes, Oh, oh no, god, I'm am I a woman? <laughs> <laughs> just it's just oh, the writing. Um, quick facts, uh, facts. Met his wife uh, in an acting class that he was actually teaching. He oh, owns a nice. general store in Massachusetts because he wanted to keep it running. Most people have a, a vineyard, you know, or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, or uh, some uh, fucking um, horrible whiskey or a football club. A football club, <laughs> apparently, yeah. Um, wanted to be a lawyer, but then in the application when it said, why do you want to be a lawyer? He couldn't find an answer, so he didn't do it. Uh, wasn't the first choice to play Michael Scott. Paul Giamatti was. Turned it down famously. The studio then was going to go with uh, Bob Odenkirk. Oh, that and, and, that, oh, that's why he cameos later in the series yeah, as a boss. Yeah. They were they were just about to sign the deal. Steve Carell had accepted a different role in a TV show called Come to Papa, which then failed, and then he took the role, um, which we would now obviously see is kind of synonymous. Universal were concerned over the dailies from 40-year-old Virgin because they thought it was coming across as a serial killer. Yep. <laughs> which actually, when you hear that, you're like, I can see that. We rewatched that recently, Esther and myself. And, and I was I was just telling you, you just couldn't make this. No, certain, you you could, just couldn't you, make it. A lot it. of that Judd Apatow and, kind of stuff you couldn't do. But I was saying, weirdly, this guy would be incredibly popular now. Yeah. Like, like if you said, if you wrote that film now, he'd be the cool guy that had the collectibles and, and knew everything. It'd be like, he's cool. Yeah. The fact that he's a virgin would make him like the coolest person. <laughs> <laughs> so his highest grossing movie is actually is, uh, Despicable Me 3. Ah, uh, he's a, I hate Made over a billion. Uh, in fact, actually, his top four films are Despicable Me movies. That's disgusting. Um, I don't mind. No, them. don't, don't I did, get me wrong. I, did, I can't remember the Riser Group, but I remember, certainly remember one and two. And Russell Brand was in them. They're not for me. They're, they're not designed. They're, they're there to sell shit to kids. So I, I can't be that angry. But at the same time, I don't think they're as funny as everyone makes out. I did quite like. Uh, I think it was the first and second. I quite like them. Um, it's so fluffy. <laughs> um, his highest grossing live action. He's not the star in. 
it's Bruce Almighty. Yeah. But that was when Jim Carrey was like, really was swinging his balls around Hollywood being like, I'm fucking Jim Carrey. Like he'd done. Don't get these nuts. Yeah, but he'd, he'd like, he'd, you know, obviously a lot of people would say he, his, his time was the 90s. Wait a minute, Jennifer Aniston. Go back to France. Oh, so cool. <laughs> in 2004, 2005, when he made that movie, whenever, or 2006, actually, later on, um, yeah, Bruce Almighty was a huge hit. Um, highest rated Rotten Tomatoes film is Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, that deserves to be though. It's probably that is like, a fucking it's, brilliant it's probably film. the film. Yeah. The Esther scene, I think that's, and that's an S. When I see Little Miss Sunshine, I think of you. I'm like, that's such a you film. It, it's I, the most you, non Wes Anderson film I can think of. Yeah, yeah I'll take that. I'll take that. That's fair. <laughs> Um, and I love that movie. I like his role. I like everyone. Paul Dana in that movie is brilliant. Yeah. Um, Do you want me yeah, the Paul whole Dana. film in that. Obviously, and then the relationship with the grand. I mean, Greg Kinnear, we talked about Greg Kinnear last week and how good he was in Friends. Um, more Kinnear for me, please. Uh, he's won Golden Globes, Writers Guild Awards, uh, Screen Actor Guild Awards. He's got the MTV Award and the Teen Choice Awards. He has 84 acting credits to his name. And for my segment, I wanted to ask you, James, what are the top three Steve Carell movies? You dirty slapper coming here with something I had no idea you were going to do. So, Does he have to be the main star? Uh, yeah, so I'm, I, what I'll do is I've got his filmography in front of me. We'll talk about a few of them along the way. Um, uh, but uh, Just a couple of like honourable mentions, I think. Okay. So taking away, um, the obviously, The Office. Yeah. Um, Bruce Almighty, probably the big one in 2003. It's, it's big, probably not his best, but he does do some of the best... It's a good passing of the torch moment when Jim Carrey is watching him go like kind of mental. He's oh, making oh, it, oh, that oh, that oh. mate. When I saw it in the cinema, I genuinely thought I was going to die because I was laughing. I couldn't breathe. Yeah, it yeah. was funny. And it's know, up there. It's up there. It's up there for me in the funniest times. Do you remember the film? Not Borat. It's Bruno when he cage fights at the end and yeah, he starts yeah. kissing the guy. And the guy goes and the, the place they start bricking him. I had I genuinely stopped laughing. I, I thought I was going to die because I wouldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I started even thinking about it, mate. That was hilarious. I thought he was going to die. Anchorman in 2004. Oh, uh, as iconic performances go, of a, film, of a film that's full of so many things that you love, but the, the three lines you remember are, I love lamp. Yeah. <laughs> He's so good in that. And 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 it was I thought the shining star of Anchorman Two. Yeah, I thought that was Anchorman Two is it's it it struggled from the the Zoolander Two thing about yeah. it, because it's a cult movie you get about it doesn't have the same magic as the first one. But um, for me, yeah, I I think he was a shining. I mean, the whole cast were actually in, in Anchorman One. It's so funny. Um, comes Papa, which we talked about, got cancelled. Do do do. Bewitch, forty-year-old virgin, two thousand five. That was that was the breakout one. Surely. It, it's, it's the launcher, and as films go, do you know what? I really enjoyed it, but but I enjoyed it because I'd seen it when it when it came out and its popularity. Is it something that I, if you were to say this is his three best work, I'm gonna say no. It's not on there. I'm sorry, but it was very good, mate. You you know me. You know what's number one. So let's well, uh, Little Miss Sunshine, which has got to be a contender. I'm putting Alan, in... Alan Arkin, Tony Arquette, Greg Kinnear. It's it's a great Paul Dano, Steve Carell. It's it's brilliant. Of course, he's got higher standards than you. So you know, I'm only joking. It's a potential for the list. Over the hedge. Let's go animated. Let's go. Um, did you think you'd ever see a film where he acted opposite Bruce Willis? I know they're only voices, I know. but still, that's weird. And, and over the hedge as well. I remember when it came out. I mean, it wasn't aimed at me. I mean, 2007. It was yeah, I was 20 it's at too, the time. It's, it's too unbelievable. But even right? watching it, I was like, damn, nah, alright. I, I, I think I think in the trailer it was like. Even a squirrel in the trailer was like, D's nuts. And it's just got like two acorns. <laughs> I'm like, like, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, Evan Almighty, I'll admit, 
Not the best. Not the best, but that's John Goodman. John anything, Goodman. And anything with a John Goodman, mate, gets a thumbs up. Um, Down in Real Life, a film that I knew the poster of for so long. See, His that's why he's leaning resting on. on the pancakes. Um, a single father, is he raising two kids, two girls? Widowed. I think this was a great performance. I think this is when I saw something that was completely different. Yeah. Down in Real Life was great. It's a film that, everything you see, you never, you never turn on Netflix and it's there, or Amazon or anything like that. I remember loving this film. I loved it. I loved the the way it was shot, the you know, the way it was shot. I I watched that being like, God, like, I love that kind of America, you know, that kind of yeah. countryside America. It is idyllic. Main and, city. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it, is, it goes back to a lot of those 90s romance films. The girl you fall in love with is engaged to, you know, someone that you know, and, it, and it's that dilemma of, but they're soulmates, they're perfect for each other. Um, just you know, the wrong place, the wrong time. I, I, I love like, that film. I like Dan in real life. It's a good film. Um, get smart. The Rock is a villain because it's two thousand and eight. <laughs> Spoilers, but that's how that film ends. Spoilers, I've seen it. You know, so it, <laughs> do you know? Do you know what probably didn't sell it for me? The Rock. <laughs> well, <laughs> being a villain, it was before the Rock was he's, good. he's not supposed to be. You don't know he's the villain to the end. He he is very much like um, because it right red notice. What fucking shocker that was! <laughs> it, no, more along the lines of um, you know, like John English was like the spoof of um, James Bond. James Bond. This is like the spoof of Mission Impossible. Yeah. So yeah, again, he gets recruited as as an agent. The Rock is the suave, good one, and shock horror at the end. He's the villain. Um, date night. Uh, I th- with uh, out of uh, uh, Tina Fey. Tina Fey. I thought I wanted this film to be funny. It wasn't as funny as I wanted it to be. See, I'm a big fan of Date Night, and I tell you what, I like Mark Wahlberg in it. You heard it after all these episodes. There's a Mark Wahlberg movie that I'm gonna. It's funny it's you should mention a, it's Mark Wahlberg. Bit, it's just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bit when he goes put your fucking shit on. <laughs> like, like just, but I quite like Date Night. I like that there's. A, it stabs itself. It takes a shot at the pretentious, uh, like world in 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 New York, where there's a bit where they get declined a table because they're not cool or hip or anything, and then so all he does is turn his blazer the wrong way around and like like do his hair a little bit, and then they walk in pretending. And there's a Will I Am cameo in that scene as Done. well. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm now out. Obviously, Despicable Me movies then come along. Dinner for Schmucks. I know that you really like this film, I really and I th- like you like it. it more than you should. I know, it's but, but, I'm with, but I'm fucking with you. Is when he's going up against Zach Galifianakis, he's like, "I'm going to make you do this." But the straight man, Paul Rudd, is like, "Well, just don't do it." <laughs> yeah, that. that whole I do scene. love that. Yeah. Uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? I can't move. <laughs> so I can eat your pudding. It's like you can just move. <laughs> I love that. I love that he like he, he just taxes to every little mice and everything. I love that. I think that's genuinely heartwarming. <laughs> and it's and it's it's a detestable storyline about yeah. bringing inviting the you know the, Freaks, the losers yeah. and you know and that to a dinner party. But I thought it was funny. I I really enjoyed it. Crazy Stupid Love is a great movie as well. If you've seen that one with Ryan Gosling. Oh, vaguely. Emma Stone. It's got a really good ending. To I what, believe you know. I have. Is he the father of Emma Stone? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I want to say I yes. I can't remember, sorry. Um, Chris Stewart loves a great movie. Life's Too Short, he's cameoed there um, in, in uh, Ricky Gervais's That's popular a... TV show that was in the, uh, what was that, 2011? Moving on, Simpsons, obviously. Now, the one on here that is the biggest hurt, mm. the one that should have been great, Yeah, the incredible Burt Wonderstrom. 
hurts, doesn't it? Should have been great. When the you've film got Steve, when you got Jim Carrey and Steve Carell back in a movie. If if he handed over the torch, this is, should have been the cementing of this is the this is the funniest man in Hollywood. Mm. And Olivia Wilde been in it, mate. Olivia Wilde is fire. She bonds everything together. She's that awesome. He let down. Who are the villains in that? I like the. I can't remember. Who's the nasty? Um, oh, who is that? Oh, sorry. I, I've done that thing where I've taken you away. No, it's all right. I, I, I do. I've, I should know it off the top of my head. Yeah, you um, should. Why don't you know every movie off the top of your head? Oh, God, I forgot. It's got um, Steve Buscemi in it. It really should have been yeah. better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember thinking the cast for this. I Alan remember, Arkin again. James Gandolfini. You and, you and I, I think, were... This is when you and I were going to cinema at our height of like we were going like every week to the cinema to see something. And you told me about this film and you told me to cast in it. I was like, we need to see this film. I think you went with your wife and I went separately. I was just like, oh, I hope Aaron doesn't like this film because I don't know how to tell him that it's shit. Yeah, I mean, it had it was like Siegfried and Roy versus David yeah. Blaine, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, it was it's like the next level. It, was, it just, it was bad. It was bad. Um, moving on to uh, what I think is... oh. Um, Bad Neighbours uncredited cameo role. That movie's fun. It's, it's fun. I, I don't even know what he's in. I don't remember seeing him in a cameo. Yeah, he, he does the. He's a TV news anchor. I think it's supposed to be that he's Evan. Oh right. Okay. Um, yeah. Foxcatcher. Foxcatcher. John Dupont is a fantastic one where he basically went. I won't do comedy for a bit. I'll go straight to that dark thrilling. You, me, and your wife sitting in the cinema just looking at each other, going, "What the fuck is happening?" Steve Carell with, with a fake nose. With as I say, with his prosthetic nose. Is creepy as fuck, especially like when he's getting Channing Tatum to wrestle him in a, And Channing Tatum was good in this film. Mm. I, don't, I don't know why I've said that. Like, I, I quite like, I, I actually like Channing Tatum. I'm, yeah. I think oh, he's yeah. very good. But I just think everyone in this, and he, he replaced him with Mark Ruffalo. What a fantastic film. Yeah. He had no right being that good in that film. Yeah, yeah. Which is Oscar just, nominated. That was his Oscar nom. Uh, he was, he's probably on the list. I, so, I really like Foxcatcher. Really so, good. So do I. And he played, yeah, he played that generational wealth character you know, who who doesn't know the word no. The yeah. so well. Just wants to prove it. Disgusting. To, yeah. Thought he's above the law by the end of that movie. And it's just, yeah. Um, keeping it on uh, on track with the, I suppose, the more dramatic period uh, roles, the big short. Number one, shockingly, is a fantastic film about the great, uh, the great financial breakdown that led to a, a worldwide economic recession. He plays Mark Blue, uh, Mark Bomb, who is a crusader who's trying to take banks to big desks. He is phenomenal. He goes on rants, mm. and he's so. I know he's based on an actual person, but he brings him to life in a film that should be dry. I do think the director Adam McKay does a good job of of making what is a dry, boring subject matter seem seem fun and interesting. But it does help when you've got actors like Steve Carell you know, Christian Bale, fucking uh, Ryan uh, Gosling again, it's all three of the, all the three main performers are standout and phenomenal, brilliant, backed up by like Brad Pitt. You've got Margot Robbie explaining uh, tranches. You've got uh, Michelle Gomez. It's a very good film, well written and Steve Carell in a film that, you know, at the time probably Christian Bale's number one actor in the world, Brad Pitt. I did like him in this film, Christian Brad, Bale, yeah. Brad Pitt's probably just come off being number one in the world, but you've got Steve Carell that somehow is acting opposite them. And who do they give him? They give him fucking Timothy Spall's brother, uh, son, and they give fucking uh, Mark Strong. No, not that one. They give him the weaker offspring. <laughs> and then they give him like Jerry from series two of Newsroom. That's right. If you hadn't noticed, I've recently watched this film. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely adore this film number one but actually fucking <laughs> number one in the bullet Steve Crow in a film that he in a film that he had the very he was in danger of basically being 
missed out on. He's phenomenal and he's a fucking bright light in a show of lights. <laughs> Firework, there you go. Um, yeah, I like dear if you didn't know. Yeah, I think well. you like that one. Despicable yeah, yeah. Me free. They get fucked. <laughs> Battle of the Sexes. So he played Bobby Riggs in this against Billy Jean King um, in the Battle of the Sexes in the world of tennis. Yes. Um, quite a good movie because, again, it, out of all the sporting, like, well, out of all the sports you could pick to make a film about, we talked about this before about like boxing's like the number one, isn't it? Of like the underdog. It is. It, 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 it is it, weird, it, but yeah. it is. Whilst I detest watching boxing as an event, I don't care. Put it on a fucking big screen, mate, and I was sat there going, "I can do it." Yeah, yeah. Boxing's there, and, and and you know, and you know, we we often talk about the you know that what should have been the Oscar winner when Saturday comes. Football, soccer is often uh, you know the centerpiece. I will, Tennis, ne- I will though, never watch Oscars till they fucking redo it and give <laughs> Sean Bean the Oscar for when Saturday comes. But uh, tennis, I mean, Wimbledon didn't really care much for Match Point, didn't really care much for no. Battle of the Sexes. I've really enjoyed Emma Stone again. Great performance. The problem with tennis is you can know the line, especially if it's a rom com, especially Wimbledon. Is you knew at one point, but in tennis, love gets you nothing, and you could knew it was coming. You knew yeah. it was coming in. You sat there in the film going, "When are they going to drop it?" Well, they drop it late, which means you've been forced to watch the film. Fuck him. Um, ne- have you seen a film called Last Flag uh, Flying? You know, but I know that you have because you've yeah, talked about it's this. Yeah, Three podcast. Friends, free, uh, Brian Cranston, um, Lauren, Larry Fishburne, Fishburne, yeah. and Steve Carell. Steve Carell's son um, falls. Uh, uh, he he's, he's falls victim to war, and, and he goes to transport the body back. Is... And it's three friends that have kind of gone astray, kind of reunited on a on a you know a kind of sobering mission to to bring the son back, and. It's a great movie. I think it's on Amazon Prime, and it's a it's an indirect sequel to a movie that Jack Nicholson was in. Okay, um, in the seventies, where he had this stunning mustache, and I think that was the last flag. I'm gonna have to check it out. That was oh, the last detail. Oh, okay, one. yeah. So yeah, uh, if you've got Amazon Prime as a wild card, Cranston's it. hot. Fishburne's always good. Well, no, no, he wasn't Predator, wasn't he? Um, oh no, he's alright, Predator. Predators. Oh, predators. Oh yeah, he he's survived right. all that time on on. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Is <laughs> yeah. how did he live? Not like the not like that fucking Topher Grace. Fuck yeah, but Topher Grace at least was transported there. Fishburne's been there for how long, and these predators haven't found him. Yeah, because they're not racist. They don't see color. <laughs> so he's in the jungle, mate. Also, I'd like to point out that, yeah, this is bullshit. Now, um, if they'd made him Morpheus, that would have made more sense. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful Boy, the Timothy Chalamet movie where he's addicted to drugs. I do need to see on. that. It's on um, the list. I don't know. It's good. It's well acted. Timothy Chalamet is very good in it. But the, I mean, it's a wealthy family. And the moral of the film is like, help us out there if you can afford it. Oh, that's always he's, the point. Yeah, yeah. Like, so the amount of times where he's like put in private rehab clinics and at the end it like, you know, does it work? Does it not work? And then, you know, there's a bit this like soliloquy monologue at the end. And, and I just remember watching the cinema being like, oh, it's fucking great if you've got that kind of money to go to private rehab, isn't it? But what about the hundreds of thousands of people who don't have that money? Do you know what? It when, felt when, a bit when we watching, totally wrong. You know, when we're watching the film Nocturnal Animals mm. with Amy Adams and uh, Jake uh, Gillinghall. And yeah, like and, and say his name, Michael James. Shannon. But I'm just saying, it's like like they split up and he writes this book, but he's a famous author and she's very famous as well. I just remember thinking, you didn't do too bad on the relationship. I don't know why you've written this scathing book about you absolute dick. <laughs> Directed by Tom Ford, who sells fucking, who sells like perfume for like 200 quid a time. I, I just remember watching this film going, all right, you, you get over it. <laughs> um, 
Vice. Uh, Vi- I love Vice. He plays Rumsfeld in it and he yeah. plays it so good. And I just realised something. His best. I know he wasn't actually, at no point does he act against Christian Bale, but he does such a good job in this film against Christian Bale. Um, I love Vice. I think Vice is a very underrated film. Not as good as Big Short. And that because he's not a, because he's not the main guy, character, he doesn't make the list. But I love Vice. Vice, another mm. Adam McKay great film. And I know people hated it, but I don't know what you're expecting. <laughs> Welcome to Marwin again is one that I think divided. Should have done better. Came out the wrong time though. It, it came did. out in early January. Um, you know, which is a bit of a lull in the box office anyway. And it wasn't a Christmas movie. It was one of the films where they just didn't really know when to release it. Yeah. They like the, It's got the, a story at its heart and it was animated as a Zemeckis movie. It, it strikes me. Do you remember the film The Life of Walter Mitty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. just came out at the wrong time. Walter Mitty came out. I wanted to see the film, but it came out Boxing Day. Despite what people think, I actually don't think anyone goes to cinema on Boxing Day except for you. Yeah, I, I went to go watch uh, <laughs> Walter Mitty on that day, yeah. So I just find it really weird that when they release a film that early. Yeah. Um, and then The Morning Show, uh, Space Force. <clears throat> Space Force Disappointment. Now The Patient and then Astro City, which is out. Uh, it'll be out this week that this episode drops. So I bet you're looking forward to Wes Anson getting his hands I've on I've got the week off and I will be going to the cinema with the wife on a child-free evening. We've already got it booked to go watch Astro City. And Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. yeah across Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And, and The Flash. And, the wife and Indiana watch. Jones. Can't and, get the wife to all them. Fast and Furious 10. Well, she's it's not made it. She, <laughs> she was there for me that long. She would have seen it. Her eyes aren't painted on. All right. Uh, number three. Foxcatcher, because he made me feel uncomfortable. It was really horrible. Number two, it's that it's it's. I'm actually just trying to work out does it beep it to number one. It's Little Miss Sunshine. Dan in real life would probably be number three, but I wanted to get a right a range in there. Number one, shockingly, Michael Baum and he plays in the film and The Big Shot, which is one of my favorite films of yeah. all time. I'd fucking love The Big Shot. Re- rewatch it this week for no real reason other than I've really wanted to rewatch it. Of of the films, they are my three in a different order. So top is Little Miss Sunshine. Second is uh, Dan in Real Life. Third is Big Shot. Yeah. Of his filmography, obviously stand-up performance is Michael Scott in The Office. Yeah. And in terms of comedy, Dinner for Schmucks is the wild card, which should not be funny, and it is. It I is. think it's helped by Jermaine from Flight of the Concords being in the movie. <laughs> um, Jermaine Clements. But um, no, I think in terms of comedy, probably, probably Anchorman. Really enjoyed that. He, he, yeah, he seals the show with like the smallest lines. Yeah. I always have preferred like, you know, Champ. He has, he's the least recognisable actor and I always thought he did a really good job of holding his own against three, three comedy legends. He does actually a better job than you think he should. Do you know what as well, actually? I wanted to, uh, what I should have said at the start of this, the other reason why I was attracted to doing Corral this week was because he's 60. Fuck off. And you've never, there's never stories about He's an arsehole on set. Yeah. Or he's rude or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? He's like... He, he doesn't he seems... deny the Holocaust. He knows it happened. <laughs> you yeah, know, he's he... a, you know, outlandish complaint. Oh, no, he, he does coke and he's killed a person. That's what I mean. They... He seems very humble. He seems very grounded. Um, you know, he comes across well on interviews. I mean, I've saw, I saw him on the Jonathan Ross show when he had... Uh, um, what's his name there? Uh, Gordon Ramsay, who I can't stand. And, yeah. you know, Gordon Ramsay's talking about like this uh, duck foam starter and Steve Cross was like pissing himself. He's like... How pretentious does this sound? I, do, yeah, I don't. don't need my duck foaming. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? saying that, yeah. It's just brilliant. He just comes across as very genuine. And I thought, good good to see someone like that in Hollywood because 
Mel Gibson's about to drop a documentary that's going to destroy Hollywood. So we need some survivors. <sighs> Do you think anyone would care? Because he's coming from Mel Gibson, like he's probably just probably just doing it to mate, hide something. It's blowing up the internet. They're like, if I don't e- even think it exists. They're like, I, if Epstein got off for what he knew, there, there's a whole thing on the internet right now about like save Mel Gibson. But I, I genuinely don't think it even exists. I, it's one of these things. It's like you know, QAnon. I don't think it's real. <laughs> Like genuinely, just the people well, on the internet. Drops, if it does drop, this four parter that he reckons he's got, that, he, that apparently shines a light into the paedophilia ring of Hollywood, a, a business that apparently grosses more than the airline industry combined. It's, it's, it's funny that Mel Gibson's the... in both of those. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, he was in Air Force One. <laughs> uh, Air America, wasn't it? It was Air That's America. He was yeah. um, saved Robert Downey Jr.'s career. Well, no, Steve Crow, how can you beat that? Well, you hinted at Mark Warburg, so I don't know if I I'd like to point, stop the episode. Now. I'd, I'd like to point out I had three original topics. Okay, I went. Where did Idris Elba go wrong? Nice. Yeah. Um. Uh, what's the bigger disease? What's the bigger disease, Donny or Mark Warburg? And then the one I settled with because it's a bit different, and it's because you, the host of the show, you do a lot of the talking. We need to get to know you. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to. 30 questions, 30 Ooh. minutes, big questions. Go. Are you ready? I'm your host. Because I quizzed you on Friends last week. It's, it? it's not. Uh, it, these aren't quizzes. These are just your personal preferences. I've got some questions here. The audience want to hear about you for once and what you think. Mm. So I want to take a minute, just sit right there, and I'll ask you all a bunch of questions, and you will answer them. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Number one, what was a bigger Oscar snob, in your opinion, Tony Collette for Hereditary or Amy Adams for Arrival? Oh, yeah. Big questions, mate. They're big questions. Uh, so I think historically you've always gone, horror is a uh, industry, uh, is a genre that we just basically fuck off. We don't take it seriously. But Tony Collette, I don't like that film, but she acted the shit out of that film. She acted the shit out of that film. She, but it's Amy Adams. It's Amy Adams. I, do you know what? I'm, I'm good at, I mean, Arrival was the better movie, Denis Villeneuve movie. Mm. And her character has much more of an arc and a meaning. Tony Collette, Changes, yeah, most definitely. That's true, and she definitely gives it some. But Amy Adams split the vote. That's the most dangerous thing you can do. It's happened to Scarlett Johansson. It's happened to uh, Amy Adams. If you're up twice in the same category, you split the vote and you don't win it. So I'm going to say it's Amy Adams. Still maintain Hereditary is one of the funniest films I've ever seen. Fuck, <laughs> she acted that film. Uh, number two, which film made you realise that movies were in fact magical? Uh, when did you feel it in the cinema? When did you get it in your it, toes and with your feel? It wasn't in the cinema. It was watching the movie Ransom, which came out in 1996. Oh. Mel Gibson. Uh, Mel Gibson. Just before, he, just before he pulled the, <laughs> just before he pulled the, the curtain down on Hollywood. Uh, I was watching that movie way too young because uh, it's an 18, solid 18. And the, f- the scene where he's on the phone to uh, Gary Sinise... And he believes that his son's already dead and he won't pay him the money. Yeah. And you've got Delroy Lindo as the FBI negotiator being like... You've got Donny Warburg in that Donny Warburg's in that of God. <laughs> and I remember that scene being breathless and being like, oh my God. Like, I, I hadn't seen a film do that. Yeah. In the middle of a film, flip it and be like, holy shit, where is this film going? It was really cool. And I, and I like this, like, he just walks out there and goes, no, the ransom now. I won't pay a penny. Yeah. You find them. He's like, and then he's on the phone. He's like, who do you know that won't betray you for a million dollars? And yeah. you're like, fuck, that is good. Yeah. He's like, give me my my shot. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm going to put the ransom on your head. And I'm like, fuck, the film is called Ransom. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, How would you change the current cinema experience? Uh, 
you said that, said this from day one. I think you, you need to you need to, and it won't happen. But more indie film needs to come out of the cinema, yeah. So we you? don't get saturated with. Uh, and I'm not going against superhero movies and high budget, you know, Fast and Furious films. Unfortunately, I, you need to accept them because they will bring in the money so that companies can then fund smaller projects. Yeah. It, it's, it's, and also, I think we need to we need to move away from cinema being a grand experience because people don't go. People don't spend money to go sit silently yeah. in, a, in, a, in a room. That's a good point, actually. So if you, t- if you stripped it back and you could bring in your own alcohol or you could choose to sit in a room with beanbags instead of on chairs and you could have a interlude to talk about the film and go back in, I think if you change the dynamic of how you how you uh, bring in a movie, because you think about it, it's the worst first date. Do you want to go watch a movie? And it's, 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 it's so, in, in film, it's, it's almost laughable, isn't it? It's like, what are you going to do tonight? We're going to go watch a film. The most unromantic thing to do on a date. Someone told me genuinely that that the future of like the Odeon app and apps for cinemas was that you sit in your chair, you'd miss like <clears throat> you wouldn't go in the foyer. You'd literally go to your cinema, sit in the seat. They'd bring you the food. That would irritate the fuck out of me if there was a constant stream because people would order food throughout the film. That would irritate me. Yeah, that would annoy me. Um, this is a genuinely harder question than you think. Is popcorn better at the cinema? Because I, you remember that fucking Colonel Pog was sat there for probably three days before you got your mitts on it. Yeah, but I still think it's better. <laughs> I, I do. I, it's, it's like it's like English uh, for English breakfast is always better when it's done in a greasy spoon. Yeah, you could easily do it at home, but actually, it just tastes better when someone else has done it for you. And yeah, I, I, I you can you can eat a hell of a lot more popcorn in cinema than you can at home. This isn't on there, but it's salt, right? It's salt. Yeah, it's always salt. salt. Which hated film do you actually quite like? Uh... I mean, Under Siege, don't count. No. Because <laughs> no one likes that film, not um, even ironically. Th- there's a couple. Yeah. And one of them, I need to be very careful, one of them is probably... See, Mel Gibson. No, it's, it's <laughs> probably The Happening. Yeah, get now, out. Bear with, bear with me. It's not because of Mark Wahlberg's acting. It's <laughs> because... Because of, despite his acting. <laughs> it's because it starts on a massive what the fuck. And I, I remember watching that cinema being like, what the hell is going on? You've, you've explained this to me, which is actually pretty cool. And I like the idea that it... The, the mechanics of that film is it's whittling down to one-on-one, essentially. Yeah. Um, and I like that. I like it going from this huge story right the way down to just the two of them. And I like the idea of, like, Mother Nature being like, you know what, fuck you, and take it back. <laughs> but do you know what I really like about that, though, is that at the end, Mother Nature goes, do you know what? You've learned your lesson. Yeah, <laughs> and, I mean, and it and is still stops. shit. It is still shit, but I will fight that corner. Oh, um, the other one I think I'll fight is Last Jedi, which I think everyone says yeah. crap. And it has some very, very... Uh, challenging cool. points with it, but I think it had the potential to change franchise for the better. But they they cowered and they yeah. pulled out. I think they they lost. I think it, I think it did. I think it did rob us of Luke Skywalker's arc in that. Yeah. Like Luke, the Luke Skywalker we see at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi is not the Ryan Johnson Luke Skywalker that we see in. You know, he would never do those things. He would never. He never kill, kill his best friend's like son. Uh, he would his never turn his, back his on fucking the force. nephew. Yeah, he would <laughs> never do any of that stuff, and and so. You know, he wouldn't throw the lightsaber away for a comic gag. He wouldn't drink from the teat of the, you know, the creatures yeah. that give him the blue milk. It, it just became like an insult to Luke Skywalker. But there's a lot in that film to love and, mm. and fight for. So the opposite of that, which universally loved film do you hate? Um, I don't, I don't hate. I knew hate was going to be a strong word for you. I yeah, just knew it's it. Too it's, strong, it's too strong a word, but I, I don't. What film do you I dislike? Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't get, get the funny. Avatar fascination. Mate, no one does. <laughs> I don't get why that. Is I it. would look, one of my questions here, which we should have gone, is how does what blackmail material probably probably Peter Farmer material? It's like <laughs> yeah. I want to make this movie. No, I. I um, <laughs> 
I don't get Avatar. I don't get why everyone's going on about it. Actually, going back to one of your previous questions about a film that was panned but actually was good. Um, that Alicia Battle Angel film. Uh, yeah, do you know what? I keep seeing that. I remember you thinking, I remember you telling me about it on the cast list. I just can't get over her anime CGI look. Yeah, it yeah. puts me off. I mean, I suppose if you like the source material, then you can see it as an injustice. But yeah. I, I mean, to me, it's someone who knows nothing <clears> about the source material. I watched that film like, this is badass. This is all right. <laughs> Um, what movie star did you knew did you know would be a big deal before they actually were? And what film was it? Of course, you, it's Ryan Gosling. What film did you murder by numbers? You spotted him, Sandra Bullock. I remember watching that and going, "God, he's good." And then you watched the Sandra Bullock film and didn't think anything about, "Oh my God, Sandra Bullock must be mine." <laughs> well, I did then watch uh, watch Fracture as well, where he's uh, where he's starring against uh, Anthony Hopkins. And again, I thought this guy's phenomenal. It. I watched them for two films very close. What film would you want to see again? For the first time. So if you could clear your memory and watch it again for the first time, what would it be? Uh, if it was to watch it for the first time in a cinema as an adult, it'd be Jurassic Park. Oh, that's a good I saw it as a kid and thoroughly enjoyed it. I was scared and, t- and terrified. I wish but... I could just forget the other ones. <laughs> just, I don't yeah. want to see them again. Just I think if that them. came out now and I knew nothing about it, I would be blown away. But then again, you could say, is it because of the time? You know, uh, maybe um, New Hope for the first time again. Yeah, uh, at the cinema, Die Hard for the yeah. first time. Yeah, we did get to, my the best present I ever bought you was definitely when I got you tickets to see the Die Hard. Yeah, because we'd never seen the big screen. That was yeah. it. it, was, it we'd been speaking about it for years, and I was like, "He'll like this." <laughs> it's yeah. the only present I've ever given someone. I was like, "They'll definitely like this." I think maybe also to see, uh, you know, something like uh, Endgame again for that to get that yeah. same, that same magic all over again. You felt like you were doing that film. I was. It, it, you, you you went into the cinema with a weight on your shoulders, you know what I mean, about how Infinity, Infinity War had ended. No, sorry, how in, Infinity War, because how Endgame had ended. No, yeah. No, the it's, wrong way around. Yeah. it's the wrong way yeah, around. Yeah. Um, what, order these in order of importance? Effects, writing, casting, music? Writing first. Oh, I knew you little Always sweet. starts with the pen. Yeah. Uh, writing... Casting, surely. Casting, I think. Music, then. Music, then, acting, yeah. yeah. What's a bigger crime? Alfred Hitchcock not getting an Oscar or Crash for getting the 2004 Best Picture? Yeah, I think it'll always be Crash. Always, the, it, it, never like, forget. Yeah, because I, Hitchcock, I don't think, wanted an Oscar and wouldn't have, and, it, and in the 60s, 70s, it wouldn't have meant anything anyway. I mean, yeah. Psycho deserves it. I mean, Psycho's a masterpiece. Um, but I don't think Hitchcock did it for the appraisal, whereas Crash was the biggest... The Oscar. biggest self-congratulatory pat on the back that Hollywood's ever given itself. And that film was shy. And that changed the Academy Awards. Sometimes we just crash into each other to feel Fuck things. <laughs> was Cobb dreaming at the end of the film Inception? Um, In your opinion. Obviously, you don't know because the film cuts. Yeah, I don't. I, I think he was. I no, think he was. Uh, yeah, well. I think he was. Yeah. Because yeah, the kids haven't changed from what you saw in the dream. They, yeah. he, he, to me, it's like, it's up there with um, when someone asked you, was he. Was it all a fake memory in Total Recall? Yes, because exactly what he wanted is exactly what happens. He turns into an action star and it ends with with Sun on Mars. It's like, of course, the, of course. Yeah. Um, if you were a kid from Indian in the cupboard, what toy would you put in the cupboard? Fucking, <laughs> I tell you what, half my Star Wars toys are going in first. Um, I, 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 <laughs> genuinely, for no reason, right? <laughs> because I'm a dick, I would try and confuse the cupboard and put like a key keyboard in, <laughs> just to be like, do that. Whatever, whatever comes out is like, kill me. <laughs> I would proper just try and fuck it off. I think, I think, like stretch, pull, pull, stretch Armstrong's arms as far as they go, then put him in. He's like, I'm a freak. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that, or I think um, I'd probably put things like, you know, like your little, I'll tell you what I do, a Woody and a, and a Buzz. <laughs> Just to see if they were like it. Fucking go for it. <laughs> it's the other way around, Woody's Tim Allen. No! <laughs> if you could live in any fictional universe, what would it be? Um, Star Wars, it's got to be. It I is think, surely. Cool. But on a good planet. Yeah, not yeah, on yeah. Not on ones. No, no. <laughs> With no, sand not, everywhere. Not on Tatooine. Uh, in Demolition Man, how do you actually use the three shirts? Someone's figured this out, haven't they? It was like a big story like a year ago. <laughs> it was on a t-shirt. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, you do I, know, but you don't want to say it. I don't get it. This one, <laughs> genuinely, this has irritates me. Can you explain why the bad guy in Johnny English goes for his plan A when plan B was much simpler? <laughs> do you remember? Plan A is for him to, is for to get a fake Archbishop of Canterbury to anoint John Malkovich as the new King of England. But it turns out that he's actually next in line. So plan B is to just have a corgi held hostage and get the queen to abdicate. It was like, well, just do plan B, you dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it's weird that John Markovich is in that because if anyone, if people still regard Markovich as one of the best. <laughs> but he was in this But film. let's be honest, he isn't. <laughs> like, he's done some great roles and he's chewed the scenery mm. in more films than anyone. But he has also done films like this. Um, which movie villain do you actually agree with? Oh, there's been a few over the time. I think certainly Killmonger in uh, Black Panther. Yeah, definitely. That's <laughs> number one. It's like it's like he's the hero. <laughs> um, Jaws. Because <laughs> you're in his fucking house. In his fucking war, dickhead. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I think other ones. Ursula. It was a contract. Yeah, did you want? Yeah, breach of contract. She should have sued. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if I try getting I can't get out of my phone contract early. This fucker got legs. <laughs> <laughs> she'd have in small claims court she'd not have a leg to stand on <laughs> it writes itself if you could live any superhero's childhood whose would it be I'd still go Bruce Wayne because my parents might be dead but I'd be rich as fuck yeah Bruce Wayne's it's and also you get to then turn into Batman <laughs> so yeah it's not all it's not all bad is it I mean that's that, yeah I mean the problem with any superhero one it's, it starts with trauma it, 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 at some point someone's going to die <laughs> um, which which uh, which I, I, you know, I go with Kal-El purely because because you didn't know your parents when they died and also you've got the powers of a god to fuck everyone else. Yeah, both your dads are Robin Hood. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, who, would I, who which childhood story would I want to live? Do you know what? There's probably a superhero that we don't know that just had a great childhood. They're like really good. <laughs> it's just like that one. Yeah. I don't know. That's, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a stickler, that one. I think maybe someone... I don't know. It's smart, Because there's so many, so many films are based on tragedy and pain. Yeah, they're and, all... I guess that's and, the, the difficulty of the question. Yeah. No one's like, oh God, that was nice, wasn't it? <laughs> so, it's like, I had such a great childhood, I'll turn good. Everyone's like, I had a great childhood, I'm going to blow up the planet and yeah. <laughs> just fuck everyone else. It would, I think it would, it would ultimately come down to like somewhere you lived, isn't it? I mean, that's the old, mm. you know, to figure about. Think of like films like, um, you, you know, those... those coming of age movies, kids, you know, in the eighties kind of, you ha- or summers were long, you know, you found a dead body on the railway. <laughs> and, just, then, and it's a child's movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and not a murder dude on it. It'd be something like that, you know, where it's more like the experience they had rather than, rather than the tragedy of losing your parents. <laughs> All right. What movie made you realize that Michael Shannon was in fact the tit? Oh God. I, maybe. I'll give you some time to think. It was the TV series Boardwalk Empire. I was like, who the hell is this guy? And then I think the film that cemented it was, it was anything I saw him in, but when I realised, when I proper took his name, probably 
in the shape of water, Broadwalk Empire. He was in a lot of things where he was just, he was nailing it 100% of the time. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing with Shannon, isn't it? Even when even when he's not the main star. I mean, even even films like Knives Out, you know, on an ensemble yeah, cast, he still, he still he's has still, his moments where yeah. he shines. But I think, you know, it's odd, great casting, I think. to you know, In the Flash movie, that's one of the, th- they waste a Shannon. Yeah. And Shannon even went to Zack Snyder to get permission. I he said about that, yeah. yeah he's, he's very respectful. You, you also don't hear stories until, you know, Mel Gibson's documentary come out mm. about Michael Shannon being a dickhead. Nocturnal Animals is one of my favourite Shannons. I actually forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Mustached. I like I like his upper lip to be garnished with a stash. So the opposite, what movie was it that made you realise that Adam Sadler had in fact hit rock bottom? <laughs> I mean, it's got to be uh, Jack and Jill or whatever Jack that film was, wasn't exactly it? That's gotta got to be the absolute bottom. Because he... <laughs> Because he doesn't disappoint you once. No. He disappoints you twice. <laughs> and, and Al Pacino <laughs> fucking drives at home, doesn't he? I, do you know what I was thinking this? The problem with, and um, the problem with Adam, Sa- uh, Adam Sandler is, if he's going down, he's taking you with him. Uh, to me, I actually went up with grown-ups because that's when he decided to stop pretending he was going to act. He was like, my mates will join me and we'll fuck off on holiday. <laughs> yeah. That's when it was. It was grown-ups. I, I think, um, I think, I was, I, was talk- I was thinking about this the other day. When Jack Nicholson took on Batman, mm. he took it on I'd love as, to know as, where you're as, going. As, as, as a dramatic, yeah. To take something that people knew was quite silly from Adam West was very like, but it was also part of like American culture and comic culture. And he he was he first said to the studio, "You don't want me." And then when he learned what the project was and the style and Tim Burton up and coming was going to do something, yeah. He was like, "Okay, I see now why you've you got want me something, because you yeah. need to get the adults in, and then I will do something. I will help create this vision." And then I thought. Do you think that's what Robert De Niro was doing with Rocky and Bullwinkle? Yes, that's exactly what he was doing. Because there's no reason on this planet why he would be in that film. I don't think that's what Al Pacino was doing with Jack and Jill. I thought he went, it's been a while, I need money. Maybe, (laughs) yeah. To fund my massive cocaine habit because that's the only way they could surely get him in. And I'm not judging, but they've both done a Charlie Chapman, aren't they, of having kids in their 80s? Yeah. What's weird though is, is... no, I don't want to get into it. Al Pacino will die long before his kid even knows who he is, which is weird because they'll be like, "You're some, you're, oh my god, you're Al Pacino's kid." He'll be like, "Who?" <laughs> yeah, just, which is he was weird. Jackie Jill, all oh, right, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> which horror movie would you most want to face off against? Basically, which one do you think you could beat? Mine one is Pinhead because I just want to do the box. <laughs> I just uh, yeah. like, you know what? Not going to do it. I mean, it, 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 Psycho. I mean, I'd go against Norman Bates because yeah, I mean, a, 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 a stiff wind would blow him over. <laughs> Um, but uh, and also, I just want to live in a black and white era. Um, yeah, fair enough. But I think that's the one I would. Or I'd hate to go against Mike Myers because it just he, he never stops off to like take a like a slash or anything. He's just be like, I'm coming for you. Even it's like you can live forever, but the world's a snail will kill you if it mm. touches you. He will constantly come for you. And yeah, that's that, like that my is, Myers. That is yeah. my Myers, isn't it? Yeah, the snail that's after you that's going to kill you. It, it, it just, just get you at some point. You're like, fuck. Whereas sake. I think, whereas Jason and Freddie would do me head in. I'll just. Because yeah. I'd like my sleep nowadays. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, think I, I, I reckon Jason's I, I don't think I could take Jason. I mean, I could try not having sex. I mean, I did it for like 18 do, years of my life. So I, I could just do that again. I do think like a film, a modern film like Midsummer, because I reckon I could punch my way out of yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? That's what I don't understand in these horror films. Why don't you just you get, get your keys in your hand, mate, and start windmilling? Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean we, I'm sorry, Sweden, but I'll take you. Um, it is, it is, mate, you know, we started off with these like questions. 21, what is the best movie trilogy of all time? I mean, it's the original Star Wars trilogy, isn't it? Right, so one, I would go, I'm more tempted to go Indiana Jones, but I, do you know what I realised recently? I am a Lord of the Rings slut. I, yeah. I reckon Lord of the Rings is just a perfect trilogy. I've got issues with Return of the Jedi, the end one. 
just it doesn't paste well. It, it, no, that's not wrong. Yeah, but then again, the nah, third Lord of the Rings, Ghost <clears throat> Army. Dumbest decision in film history. Mm. Oh, would you release this? Or could you just, you got 20 minutes. Could you, could you, I mean, you're dead anyway. <laughs> Fucking idiots. Um, yeah, best trilogy. Um, That's why Negon starts, mate. The original one, obviously. I, don't, I, I know you're a slut for trade wars. We say every week. Yeah, yeah I, I think the original trilogy. I mean, what were we were talking about, um, we were talking about Guardians trilogy. Yeah, that's We were talking that's about cracking. Marvel. We were talking about... Um, you know, in a few so, years, in a few years, it'll be the Spider-Man, the, Spider-Verse. I was going to say, yeah, when that comes out, but then even the Tom Holland trilogy is strong. Because the trilogy is hard, isn't it? It's hard to get, particularly that third film. Indiana Jones is a great call, but then <clears> the second one. Yeah, again, you, you're going to have fun with some of them, so that's why I genuinely... I hate when people say Temple of Doom is the best one, because they're not. You, and, and we all see through your your fake bullshit. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm genuinely with Go Lord of I've, I can't, for some reason, it's in my mind. It's like, it's like my brain's going, James, mm. yeah. Watch Lord of the Rings trilogy, and I'm going like, yeah, right. Then and my brain goes, do it then. <laughs> Just... uh, yeah, or Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, it is a good shout. Maybe Dark Knight trilogy Maybe, is probably yeah. the best trilogy because, again, because I even want to go back to the future, but the third one isn't as great, it's is not. it? Yeah, it's not. Um, Godfather Three's not good. Yeah, it's all right. We, we, it's not as it's an acceptable answer. It's fine. If you could choose between chopping off one of your limbs or Rob Schneider being in every movie ever made from now on, which limb will you cut? Left leg. <laughs> what would you do if you were in charge of the next Star Wars trilogy? Give me like two big changes that you do. Tell me what you do. You, they come to you, the Garen. You're, you're the Godfather now of the next Star Wars trilogy. What, what are you doing? So I would. Depends what you want to go with it. If you want to go original it's, it's story, tools, if you want to go original story. But what, I, I, what I'm a fan of, yeah, is stories that happen in the backdrop of something we're familiar with. That's pretty good. Like the mechanic on the mechanic. <laughs> like every film is him trying to fix. Like, what the fuck have we done? It's like, oh, we, yeah. we talk out the Death Star. Or, it's like you fucking had your handbrake on the entire time, you prick. You know, my not invoid. I mean, that's it. You know, the, the you know the person, you know, the, the stormtroopers that um, get off the Death Star. You know, when it crashes, or yeah, or, or that kind of thing, or um, you know, someone who does just run a shop on Tatooine. Yeah, I'm. Always, I'm. Star Wars to me now is more about less of the hero, and Andor was the was the gateway for that. Was actually showed you the inner workings of of how you fund a rebellion. It was all of a sudden it was on it was on the backdrop so we knew, but a new story that we didn't know we needed. So I think I'd go with that. Or I'm a big fan of the Naboo era, you know, and, and the droids and all that kind of stuff. So I'd probably go there as well maybe I, I personally go, remove all stuff I'd go back in time when there was a Sith Empire and a Jedi Empire go on the, like, the Cold War thing it, it was kind of like the games Knights of the Old Republic go that era remove all aspects mm. of the Skywalker could not give a toss about them you, you're ruining it please get the fuck away from it and do you know one thing I'd have in it my it, it, uh, the height of like the first film a character would go do you know who my dad is and the response would be no one gives a shit it's not coming <laughs> someone would turn to the camera and go it doesn't matter move or, on with it what about just a film like you're the last guy you're the last person on Hoff when it gets taken over by the snow and there's a Wampa in there with you and it's a horror and it's like yes. the thing. That'd be cool. And it's all like the power's fading. You've just <laughs> got the light of your gun and there's a fucking Wampa coming after you. No, fucking change it, mate. Make it sitcom. One Sith master has to live with one Jedi master. Two opposites <laughs> don't attract. Proper 60s it up as well. <laughs> I, w- I would go low-key, small story. Not yeah. about saving a galaxy, about, you, you yeah. know. Um... No, that's a great shout. Isn't it? That's what I would do. If there was any genre... Uh, 
Is there any genre of film that you wish was more popular or go through like a renaissance? For an example, it's like we don't get gangster films anymore, but in the late 80s, early 90s, we, we, it was the golden era gangster movies. We loved them. So is there any like genre of film that's not getting made now that you wish would come back? I don't know if I want it to come back, but certainly the, the, the cop being the hero isn't coming yeah. back. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I think that's not going to come back because I, I just don't think now is the right time for, for the police to mm. be seen as the hero. I think also one thing I've always been fond of is Westerns, but then because films now are, but the, there's attention to detail on being historically accurate. I don't think you can do a Western nowadays without it being utterly horrific between the killings, the, you know, the way that people treated each other, the, you know, the gold rush era and all, you know, I think, although I'd want to see more Westerns, I think what you'd get is actually something that's horrifically violent and, and cold blooded. I, I think, I think sci-fi just continues to push as a genre. Mm. And I really hope that more indie sci-fi comes out. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, you know, movies like Stowaway and stuff like that, that that come out where you're like, that was a really good film. A really, really good film. Um, Arrival, we talked about, you know, that that would be another one. Um, I like Stowaway. Is that the Tony Collette one where the yeah. guy's accidentally there and they need to make a sacrifice because they don't They've have got the oxygen yeah. on the ship? Yeah. Um, I like that because it was different. And also... You don't hear anything that happens outside the spaceship, even when she's having a conversation with the head officer. You only have actually hear her, her side of the conversation, don't you? Yeah, I like that the isolation feel. I think, yeah, for me, I think if whatever what I'd want to see come back is back, really going back to like ninety psychological horrors, you yeah. know, like Silence of the Lambs, Seven, those kind of movies that were dark, gritty. David Fincher um, films. They basically make them to TV series now, don't they? Yeah. That's, that's what they, they go for the long payoff. Uh, what 80s slash 90s action film do you think needs a sequel? I did Demolition Man for me. I, I know you don't like it. I love Demolition Man. I think it's one of the best action films of all time. I wanted more. wanted more from that universe. Should have had a sequel. It won't get, luckily it won't get one because it'd be shit. But. Yeah, 80s, 90s action movie that needs a sequel. A film that you'd want to have a sequel, uh, I guess. He-Man. <laughs> Master the Universe. I do when I was on the list. Yeah. But I don't want them de-aged. I want them to say, oh no, I'm saggy and all. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about Skeletor Dolph, not, yeah. Skeletor sort of finally get out of that pit and see what's happening. It's taking it that long. He just gets up there. <laughs> Accidentally slips and falls. Like <laughs> he that. slips in the in the pink goo and back he goes. Um, yeah, I think those films, um, there's more than likely something that I'm missing that would be an absolute goldmine yeah. if it came back. Which book would you like to be made into a movie and who would you cast as the lead? Uh, I would like a decent Dark Tower series. I fucking knew you were going to say that. It's what, it's just Elber and Matthew McConaughey? Nothing wrong with both of them. They were just in a bad movie. It, it, both of them, I think, would be fine in a you know proper, you know, I think Did Russell Crowe would be a good uh Did they try and cram too much in it? Oh, yeah, they, well, fuck knows what they tried doing. I never read the book. I just know it was a shit film. So. Very bad. Yeah, they, they basically, it's like someone just read the basic synopsis and went, yeah, I got it. Matthew McConaughey actually kind of got, got the Randall Flagg character quite well. Um, no one else did. Randall, is it? No, hold on. Is Randall Flag? Rick Flag. One of them is in the Rick Flag. Is the guy? So from, it is Randall Flag. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That I think would make a great one. Chris Carter is a is uh, written some horrific books that would uh, make some you know Crucifix Killer that would make a good film. Um, obviously, we've got Jack, a decent Jack Reacher now. Yeah, that is that's a good choice, especially that actor as well. Um, it's fine. You've you've done fine. Which which wrestler is more likely to win an Oscar first? Dave Batista, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, or John Cena? I think it's Batista. I think it's Batista as well, because I think The Rock is going to just suck at that commercial teat. And I think John Cena is is 
in his lane and he's going to do fine. I where think he the is. rock is going to is going to. I think he's, he's going to try soon. I, I, yeah, I think yeah. there's only a matter of time. There's only so many times he can push Red Notice and Baywatch down people's throats. And what was that? Skyscraper movie and Rampage it before people actually start looking at it and going, so, he isn't actually that good, is it? It's just shitting films. Yeah. He's got bad film diarrhea. Um, whereas Cena seems to be doing good films and Batista's working with talent. Uh, Bat- I mean? I, I, if I was Batista, I'd be very happy about how it's going. I just think he's a sponge and he, he comes across as so well. The Rock comes across as like a commercial machine, which people mm. don't like if you shove down your throat. John Cena, like I say, He's in his lane. He's doing fine. Weirdly, he's got the best comedic talent of all three of them. And that seems to be the genre he's best in. I genuinely could see Batista in a moving documentary about, not a documentary, but a great drama yeah. film that I could see that easily happening. Going back to your trilogy question, the Hunger oh. Games could have been brilliant if they didn't do the third one in two parts. That could have been a really strong trilogy. Because yeah. one and two are very good. Phil Under Siege could have been if they'd done a third one. They could have done in space. <laughs> um. Will James Gunn save the DCEU? Um, I, 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 I think he's way too I, late. I, 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 I genuinely, yeah. it's, it's about 20 years too late, mate. We, we see, if, as you know, film genres are in a bubble. We literally just talked about it. zombie. They come around every so often. The, the, this bubble has gone on for a long time. It's going to burst. They all burst. I think the thing with it is, I don't think James Gunn will save it. I think the question is, will DC save itself? I no. think <laughs> James Gunn is not the godfather that like they thought Nolan was going to be. Like he, If anything, the Dark Knight taught us was that if you live long enough to be the hero, eventually you'll become the villain. Yeah. And Gunn will do that. He'll fall with one of his movies and then, and then everything will be on his shoulders for why it fails. But I do think if it's, I don't like how it sounds like DC is almost like meta retconning itself, mm. where it's winking at the audience, going, "Say goodbye to all these people." We know we, we we did we bad. Know we, <laughs> we know we did bad in, in 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 your eyes and in the box office. Do you, do you know why that's the worst kind of thing? You are right. There are moments in the Flash where they basically go, um, you know, there's moments where characters come to say goodbye because. Warner Brothers know that they haven't done well by the DCU, so they're having a re- reboot. If if you know, but they've decided to do that in a film that they're launching, expecting you to pay money for. So they're basically going, "We fucked up. Please see our film, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we can reboot it later." So it's an insult. It's like, I don't trust Warner Brothers at all. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> keeping on the DC uh, page of all the movies never made, never made, which one would you rather have seen on the big screen? The Tim Burton Superman Lives written by Kevin Smith and starring Nicolas Cage or the sequel that would have answered all the questions in Zack Snyder's DC universe. I do want to see the Zack Snyder one because after the Snyder cut came out, which on this podcast we said wouldn't happen. Yeah. When, when, well, 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 we've never been wrong. Well, no, but Sam was, I remember there was an episode when we had Sam on the show and he was very, he was like, oh, it's a waste of time. Why are people doing these petition, uh, peti- petitions? And then the Snyder cut came out. And it was brilliant. Which not only was brilliant, was worth the three hours, was dark, which gave us an arc that the Josh Whelan one, fuck knows what, yeah. what happened there. It exposed massive issues with Hollywood and directors coming in and steamroller in and doing what you just said there about, no, people will pay money for this. Yeah. And then if it doesn't work out and the critics bomb it, we'll just go, oh, sorry. Yeah. You, do you know what I mean? Like, no, actually, there was a really good film there that Zack Snyder was working on that made Jared Leto's Joker look good again. Yeah, that was impressive. That, that All of a sudden, I'm like, fuck, I want to know what happens next. It left on a huge cliffhanger. 
there was so much in that film that I thought was would work. Don't go wrong. I still want to get rid of a lot of stuff. I still want to get rid of Jesse Eisenberg as, as Lex Luthor. What you said was your favorite thing. <laughs> I still you you're know, naming a, your next born after. <laughs> after <laughs> there's, there's still a lot I want to get rid of, but yeah, I definitely wanted to see how that finished. And the last question in National Treasure Book of Secrets: What was on page forty-seven? I think it's the KFC spices. I thought you screwed up saying the JFK assassination and then it transpired. I genuinely think it's a picture of a cock <laughs> because he's like, will you help me with this? And Nicholas Cage is like, of course I will, sir. I just, I just think it's a cock. <laughs> he's drawn. <laughs> because, because in this serious room, if you're the president, you do that, you go, I need help with this. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, I enjoyed that. That was good. On the spot, it was like when I put you on the spot with the friends question. Yes. On the spot, I think I'm going to finish the show and go, why did I fucking say that or this or, or whatever? But um, you, I thought you spot, did very well and we got to know you a little bit more. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm 30 now. <laughs> you, you need to shower. <laughs> You've got diseases. That is our show for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Whatever's next, we don't know, but we'll, we'll brace it together. Thank you for listening. Subscribe, get a new episode each and every week. If you like it, leave a review. And shout out on social media your uh, opinions on films. And, you know, if you've seen something good that's worth watching, let us know. If there's an episode you want us to cover, do shout out as well. That's our show. Just know that Indiana Jones probably come across. By that time this comes out, Indiana Jones will either be here or just around the corner. And I'll be watching it. Mm, I'm I'm a slut for a fedora. Yes, you are. If I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye.